Okay, we're here at the uh, second Speak Up series. Uh, we started last month. It's always the Tuesday before Rosh Chodesh. This Friday is Rosh Chodesh Menachem Av. And the Tuesday before, we have someone from the audience who prepares a class. And this is the second in the series. And tonight we will be hearing Miss Kalanit Paz, who will be giving a class in sync with the three weeks between Shiva Sabatamus and uh, Tisha B'Av when we had uh, the destruction of the temple. So she actually is giving a class on rebuilding your inner sanctuary. Guys, call on it. So first of all, I know we're recording, but I wanna make sure I say thank you to some very special people that allowed this to happen. First, I wanna thank Rabbi Lipschitz for everything he has done, for being my mentor, for truly inspiring me to change and to transform myself and to give this lecture. It's been pushed for a while and finally it's happening so I'm very, very excited. I want to say thank you to two very special friends that made everything happen, made the Facebook event, made the, the how do you say this? The <laughs> paper posters and the guide refreshments and thank you, they know who they are and I am very, very thankful for them. Um, this um, class is gonna be called The Month of Of, Rebuilding Our Inner Sanctuary. So as we know, we're right now in the three darkest weeks of the year, which culminate with the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash in Tisha B'Av, right? So what did this sanctuary represent? What did the temple represent for us? It was a physical structure that served as an antenna for us to connect to Hashem. It was a link between the spiritual and the physical. It was a balance between the worlds above and the worlds below. So it gets destroyed on Tisha B'Av, twice, the first temple and the second temple on the same date. So what is the reason for the destruction? <coughs> so our sages tell us that, this, that the reason for the destruction was Sinat Chinam, which is baseless, hatred. And why is this such a scary concept? And this is my own perception, I'm not quoting any rabbi, so this is just the way I see it, which is that it's such a scary concept because it is baseless. It has no reason for it. So there's nothing you can fix. There's nothing fixable. You just hate the person for no reason and that's it. So what can you do about it? There's actually nothing that you can do. So we came to such a level of hatred that we hit rock bottom and destroyed the place that was the most important to us, the place where we really got to connect to God, the place where we were united and one with him. So um, there's a quote right here from J.K. Rowling, the author of the Harry Potter books. I don't know if you can see it. Um, would someone, oh, I'm gonna read it. It says, and so rock bottom became the solid foundation in which I rebuilt my life. So we destroyed our temple, and now we have to start from scratch, right? We have to make sure that that foundation in which we'll start is gonna be a solid one and a strong one, so this one could last forever. Hence, the name of this class, Rebuilding Our Inner Sanctuary. So let us start by understanding the power of these weeks, right? So they're called the darkest weeks of the year. When we speak of darkness, I think that first, before we talk about the three weeks, we have to define what darkness means. 
So when we speak of darkness, people have different perceptions. Some people think that darkness is a creation in itself. But really, darkness is not a creation in itself, it's the absence of light. But for this class, I'm going to propose something a little different. So um, since I can't really use this place to do the example I wanted to do, I'm going to do something a little tiny different. So I'd like you to close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes. And imagine, picture yourself in a very, very sunny day. It's very bright outside. The sun rays are strikingly bright and you're not wearing any glasses or shades. You're just in the sun and it's beautiful, extremely bright. And you decide that you want to look at the sun. You want to look directly at it. You want to stare directly at the sun. What happens? Now you can open your eyes. And if you did this imagery and you really took it to heart, you will, you will understand that whenever you look at the light, I would tell you to look at the light here, but this one is not so intense. Whenever there is intense, intense light, what happens? Boom, it blinds you. It's darkness. So that's what I want to propose for the sake of this class, which is that the, the darkness, when it, well, I mean the light, when it's so, so intense, it completely blinds you. And it becomes darkness. So basically, it's not that the darkness is the absence of light, but it's the excess of it. So this weeks have such high voltage of light that we can't handle them, and we perceive them as darkness. However, we have the power to prepare ourselves and to change them in order to see it as light. So how can we use this information practically, in a practical sense? So think of the areas that we have darkness within us our difficult character traits, our faults, our flaws. Just think of something that you have that you don't like about yourself, that you experience, a circumstance, whatever it is. Think of it. I'm giving you a second to think of it. So to explain this a little better, I'm gonna use an example. And the example I wanna use is the alcohol addict, right? So you see an addict, and he's in a very, very dark place. He is hiding, he's out of control, he's being dysfunctional in different areas of his life. He is not in control, he has problems in work, he has problems with his family, he is either being in an abusive relationship or he is being the abuser. Basically he is living in chaos and darkness. So what happens with this person when he controls his addiction? What happens if this person decides to work on his addiction? The addict transforms. So what happens? He becomes someone that is in control, that is abstinent of alcohol, that has healthy relationships, and he basically becomes invincible to something that was very hard for him in the past. So his addiction is actually helping him now become a better person. Why? Because now he can actually help other people through what he lived, and he can do so many other things based on the fact that, it ha that he had this difficult character trait. Right? In AA, for example, one of the reasons that it's such a successful program is because the people that run the group are people that actually went through the struggle, are people that are alcoholics and went through this. So these people are using their garbage, their negativity, their darkness, in order to bring light to the world and use it in a very positive sense. So again, going back to the addict, because of his addiction, his who he is today, 
His garbage has become his gift, and he's now ahead of the game because he's free. So what's important to understand is that in the darkness lies the biggest potential for growth. It is after the darkest most point of the night that comes the dawn, that comes the light. So I think that it is key, and especially for this class, to understand and change our perspective of, first of all, our inner flaws that are negative, instead of focusing on them and having you know, negative self-talk and just constantly beating ourselves up for what we have, we should see it in a different light and say, you know what? I have this garbage, I have this, it's true, but I'm gonna make this the best. I'm gonna use it and I'm gonna transform it. If I'm impunctual, I'll make sure that now I'm the most punctual person and you, by working on yourself, you actually become, you, you know, it becomes your treasure. That thing that you had that wasn't the best actually now is a gift. It's like the, uh, the example I wrote here is like, it's like the, slingosh the slingshot, that's how you call it. The more you pull it back, the further it will go. So when there's more potential for something, there's a more potential to the other side. So I think that if we understood this till now, I'm sorry you can't ask questions because I'd love to see where you guys are at and if you're getting what I'm going for, but um, I think that if we get this concept, we understand why Mashiach is said to be born on Tisha B'Av which is the darkest day of the year, right? So what is the mission of Mashiach? To bring unity between the people, to you know, bring the unity between the heaven and earth, the physical and the spiritual, basically bring balance. And here you can see that according to the Sefer Yetzirah, the each month has a corresponding letter, Hebrew letter, zodiac sign, sent, tribe of Israel, and a controlling limb. So according to the Sefer Yetzirah, the mazal, the astrological sign that corresponds to Av, is Leo, which is the Arya. And what is Leo? If anyone knows a little tiny bit about astrology and we know about a Leo, a Leo is someone that has the power to bring light into the place, that have a lot of energy, that are leaders innate. So that's basically what the month of Av has in its energy and has in store. So in this month, we have the ability to give birth to the Mashiach inside of us, to our leader, to our Redeemer, and really access that garbage that we spoke about, that negativity, and transform it, creating it, that balance that we long for. And it's interesting that the sense of the month, the month of Av is hearing. And hearing is controlled by the inner ear, and the inner ear also controls not only the hearing, but balance. The balance is inner ear. So, our darkness was Sinat Chinam, and that's why the temple got destroyed. Baseless hatred. So our sages say that if Sinat Chinam was what destroyed the temple, then what can we build it? If this destroyed it, okay, so what can we do now? So if we destroyed it with baseless hatred, then let's love with for no reason. Let's have unconditional love. And that will hopefully, God willing, reconstruct our inner temple and also the external. So. Loving your neighbor as yourself is one of the commandments of the Torah, and I say it, and it sounds really beautiful, but in practicality, it's extremely hard. I mean, really feeling love towards every single person, I don't know, I mean, I know very little people that love every single person. I mean, I don't even think I know someone that does that, but, so, I wanna give three practical tips that we could actually use, tools that we could use in order to accomplish this. So the first tip comes from the Tanya, the Baal Tanya, the Alter Rebbe, talks 
um, about one specific concept that I think is beautiful on how we can actually make this practical. So he says, to love another is to find a place within yourself that relates to the other person, something that the two of you share in common. So we all live in Miami, so I'm sure that here we can all see that this place is like an airport. I mean, you go, wherever you go, there's people from Russia, France, um, all over the Middle East, all over South America. I mean, every single country you will find it here. So I'm, from Ch I'm half Chilean, half Israeli. So whenever I see someone from Chile, it's like, <gasps> oh my God, let's talk. And we, we have this connection. Immediately we bonded, we fused no matter what. There's this guy that works in Prime Sushi. He's a, he's a Chilean guy. And immediately it's like, he sees me, he's like, oh, let me tell you, he starts talking to me in slang. It's like an immediate reaction. Why? Because you fuse. There's something that connects you that both of you relate. So if we understand that, then we have to understand that we, as Jews, share our Jewishness in common, right? We're all Jews, no matter our skin color, no matter where we come from, no matter what we do, no matter how religious we are, how non-religious we are, it doesn't matter. Our Jewishness cannot be taken away from us. So our Jewishness really precedes good and bad, and we all share something in common, which is that spark that Hashem gave us. It's a spark that comes directly from God, and a spark that when we connect to it, we realize that we love every single person. So when we tap into our real essence, we tap into who we are, and we connect into that Jewishness and that spark that we have, we realize that we truly, truly love everyone. This concept is a little bit easier to understand today, I believe, with the study of nanotechnology and quantum physics and everything, because I usually, I usually give this example because it, it makes it clear for me, but if we had a pair of glasses that were the best microscope ever, you know, high resolution, I don't know what, Carl C's, I don't know what they're called, but like the best, best microscope, and we were wearing them all the time, we would see that we are all built of the same exact component. Every single person has atoms, neutrons, protons, electrons. We all have space, everything is the same. We're built of exactly the same. So how come we don't feel like we're the same? How come we feel like we're so, so different? It's all because it's an illusion in our head that makes us believe that we are all different. But in reality, we're all one. We're all one and the same. There's nothing but Hashem. It's, we're just all one. So if we understand, again, the same concept that we're all one, that we're all connected, that we all have that same spark from within us, that is something that will bond us. Rabbi Manus Friedman, who is an amazing speaker, and a lot of this class is based on his teachings, um, he, has, he shares this concept that I find very interesting. I've shared it before with other people, a lot of people don't agree, but I'm gonna share it anyway. He says that when you go to Israel, you see the Hasidim from Me'asharim, and you, if, I don't know if you know how the Hasidim, most of the Hasidim wear dress, but they have the payeth, Sometimes they're wearing a strimal, like this furry, furry hat, and they're wearing the long, you know, jacket that looks like a dress and the socks up to their knees. So they look a little weird for some of the non-religious crowd. So whenever these people go out to Ben Yehuda or the streets that are a little bit more secular, people look at them and some people do faces and some people even get angry and they're upset. Like, how can you dress like this? And they all have comments and everyone is talking how horrible it could be that he's here. 
and isn't he hot? It's sunny. Remember, it's sunny outside, <laughs> and there's bright lights. <laughs> so yeah, so it's sunny outside, and it's isn't he hot? So, so he says, the Israeli gets bothered when he sees him, and even angry, because he goes, why is he why is he dressed like that? So, however, we should think like, who cares? Okay, he can dress however he wants. Why do you care so much? So if you put yourself in the position of that Israeli, he's like, what do you mean who cares? I care because he's my relative. He's my brother. I love him. I care. We don't understand that concept. Why? Because they see Arabs walking around that are wearing the kefiyah or the, the women wearing the burqa, and no one cares. You think an Israeli is going to look and they don't care. They can dress however they want. But when it's your family, there we care. It makes us uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable that my family member is dressed weird. I don't want him to dress weird. But instead of connecting to the fact that we're upset of how they're dressed, we should really truly connect to the fact that we care so much. That we care so much. Why do, really, does it matter to us? Does it really matter to us how someone's dressed? No. We care about the fact that they're our family member. Tip number two, the Baal Shem Tov says in his teachings, he says that you should love the wicked along with the righteous. And I'm not going to go too much in detail with this one, but the basic cause, I think the number one cause in Judaism for hatred between each other is religious observance. I mean, that's my point of view. I don't know if that's a statistic and that's the truth, but I would say that. People constantly, they, this one's more religious, this one's Ashkenaz, this one's Sephardic, this one is dressed like this, this one's conservative, this one's Kabbalah Center. This, there's so many things about the, and it should be the opposite. I mean, I think of it and it's like, religion should be the, the connector. How come it's, it's making these differences? And it's because we get so passionate about it sometimes and we believe that we have the absolute truth and, and start judging others and saying this one's this and this one's that. So the teaching of the Baal Shem Tov, what it means to me, is kind of don't hate the sinner, hate the sin. Kind of like don't hate the person, hate the action. The action is not okay. You're not okay with the action. That's fine. That's perfect. But the person you love. And then the third tip is um, judging others favorably. Dan lechav sahut. So we all know we all know we have flaws, right? We all, you know, lie sometimes, or we all said lashon hara at some point in our lives, or there's everyone has their own thing that they did that they're not so okay with, but they know it. So why does it bother us when somebody else comes and brings it up to your mind and says, "Oh, by the way, you did I didn't like that you did lashon hara," and we get, I mean angry like pfft, what but how could that happen i mean we knew it two seconds ago we knew that we did it we know everything why are we bothered when the other person is saying it so the reason is that we know our frame of work we know where we're coming from we've lived in our shoes we know everything we know why we're doing it but when somebody else sees it that they don't know our frame of work then we're like, what do you mean? You don't know who, you know where I'm coming from. You don't know anything about me. How could you say this? And that's why we get upset. So just like we don't like when others do that to us, we should understand that we can't do that to others because we've never lived in their shoes. 
We've never been in their frame of work. We don't know their context. We don't know anything. So who are we to judge them? We're no one. And we can't expect others to judge, uh, the same way we don't expect other to, others to judge us, we can't judge them. The, the commandment of the Torah is love your fellow as yourself. So it's kind of given there. You know, how do you love yourself? How do you love yourself? That's how you should love others. So we think that we're entitled, we think that we're important. So do the same with others. You know, you think that you are born significant, so do the same with others. Value others. Don't look at their fault without knowing their context. Because in reality, we never know their context. We never know where they're coming from. There's um, a case in the Torah that really portrays this very, very well. And it's with Noah. So Noah, after the flood, something a little embarrassing happened. And one of his children saw his nakedness. So the, ch the child sees the nakedness of the father. I'm guessing he was surprised. So he goes and tells the two other brothers what he saw. The two other brothers go towards the tent where Noah was, or was it a tent? So he goes towards the tent. They go towards the tent. And then they walk backwards in order not to see the nakedness. They walk backwards, they cover the father, and then they get out. So what is going on here? So the first child sees what is wrong. He sees the nakedness of the father. The two other say, okay, what can we do about it? We heard this, okay, what can we do about it? So they do not see the father's nakedness. They have a proactive reaction we are supposed to do something about it. They weren't thinking what is wrong. They didn't have any judgment. They proactively decided to do something. So the same with us. You see something nasty, you cover it. You don't go telling your brothers about it. You don't go gossiping about it. You see something, you do something. So the two brothers walk backwards. Why? Because they weren't looking to see the fault. The fault didn't define their father. They did a mitzvah and they took action to correct the fault. And that is what avat chinam is. You see something that is wrong and it shouldn't be to tell you the insight of the evil nature of human beings and why they're being bad. No, that's not the point. The point is that it's urging us to do something. So if a situation presents itself where we see that something is wrong, what do we do? We fix it. So how do we fix it? So another question before I answer that is, why does God create a world where we can see the faults of other people? What is God trying to gossip and show us, oh, by the way, this person is doing this? Like, what's the, what's the point? So God created the world very carefully, and he is maneuvering every single action. So in his mercy, he was kind to us, and he decided that he didn't want to shove in our faces what is wrong with us, because it would be too painful. It would be too painful. We can barely handle what somebody else tells us. Imagine we would see it all the time. It would be constantly. We wouldn't be able to take that well. So God sends a projective test where you see a situation, and the way you're interpreting, interpreting it is because it's something usually that you have within yourself. So God is saying, OK, this is the situation. 
what bothers you. Maybe it's something that you possess. Maybe it's something that you have to change. So the things that we have to do whenever we have this type of situations where things happen that we are you know, not so happy about or we didn't like it or well, how could the person react like this or whatever, we before we do that, we should control our thought and think two questions. The minute this happens, just think two questions. Question one is, okay, is this something I have to fix within myself? Do I have this quality, this characteristic? Do I have this, is this something I have to do? And then the second question immediate, okay, how do I take action? You know, how can I help this person? What can I do for them? So again, God doesn't gossip. God is not showing you the situation so you can understand, oh, this person is doing this wrong. He is giving you that situation in order to do what we're meant to do, especially during these three weeks, which is transforming that darkness into light. So I want to make a recap of what we talked about because I feel like a lot of these concepts may be a little deep, and if we don't put them all together, they might be all over the place. And I don't want them to be all over the place. I want them to be practical that we could use them. So basically, we spoke about these are the three toughest weeks because they're very negative, and they are their culmination is on Tisha B'Av, which is the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. Um, we spoke about how darkness really can be transformed into a very high light. We spoke about how our inner faults can become our biggest treasures and how the darkness that we have is like a slingshot and the more that we have, you know, the more the further we can go and how to avoid the negative self-talk. Um, we spoke about how the Beit HaMikdash represented a link between men and God and the physical and the spiritual. We spoke that it was destroyed because of Sinat Chinam, which is baseless hatred. And we said that our sages tell us that if it was destroyed through baseless hatred, it could be reconstructed with the Avat Chinam, with love for no reason or unconditional love. And then we gave three practical tips as to how we could do this, how we can actually use the Avat Chinam to help ourselves and to really truly reconstruct the temple. So one, we spoke about the Baal Atanya, where he says that you have to find a place where you relate to the other person. So again, we spoke about how all Jews, we share the same spark from above. We said that Ein od milvado, there is nothing but Hashem, that we are all one. And we gave that example of the microscope of how we are all made from the same component. Um, I gave the example that Rabbi Friedman brings about how we get so upset about what some, like some people do, but the reason that we're getting so upset is because we are so connected. So we should focus more on the connection that we have with each person, especially if it's Jew, instead of focusing on the fact that we are upset because of how they're dressed. Let's not like lose the focus. Then the second tip we gave was the Baal Shem Tov, which says that, he says that you, you should love the wicked along with the righteous, which basically means to me, at least, that you should um, hate the action and not the person. And then we spoke about judging others favorably and how we are bothered when people criticize us because you know, they don't see our frame of work. They don't understand where we're coming from. So since others can't understand where we're coming from, we can't really understand how they, where they're coming from. Um, we said to that the commandment is love the other as yourself. So the question is, how do you love yourself? And the same way you love yourself, you should be loving the rest. Um, and then we spoke about the example of Noah and how we really have to take 
that proactive approach that the two children took, not focus on the faults, not focus on anything, focus on those two questions. Do I need to fix this within myself? And do I need to take action and help the other person? So hopefully, um, these tools will help us, especially during these times, which are negative, and we can transform, her, transform it into a very high light, like we spoke about. And I am so happy I was able to do this. Um, I hope we can rebuild their inner sanctuary that will eventually lead to the construction of the, the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, soon. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Kalanit. Actually, uh, while I'm listening to you, I actually thought of a little Torah because of what you said. <coughs> and I'll share it with you. This Friday is the yard site of Aaron, Aaron Akoin. And that's why you gave the class this week because of the Rosh Chodesh. I was thinking that Aaron is all about what? Peace. Aaron loved every single Jew. I'm thinking that there's a teaching that I learned from, <coughs> excuse me, from the Rebbe, <coughs> wow, excuse me, that says that Rosh Chodesh isn't the first day of the month. Rosh Chodesh actually is 24 hours, which is the seed that encompasses the entire month. That means that Rosh Chodesh, which is all about love, encompasses within it Tisha B'Av, which is the exact opposite of love. And then when you were talking about how within the darkness is really the intensity of light, I thought of something very interesting. You have two Jews that in Miami Beach would not say hello to each other. Walk down 41st Street, walk down Aventura, wouldn't even look at each other. What happens if they both happen to be on a plane which had to do an emergency landing in Saudi Arabia? Those two Jews are all of a sudden sitting right next to each other, first name basis, talking to each other, finding comfort in each other. So I'm thinking that the seed of Aaron really is the gift of Tisha B'Av. Sometimes maybe we need a scary landing in Saudi Arabia to realize that even though we wouldn't talk to each other and we'll have a conversation with every other nation, and all of a sudden, hey, at the end of the day, remember, we only have each other. And I thought about that when you were talking. And uh, thank you very, very much, guys. And uh, we'll be looking for someone who wants to give the next Rosh Chodesh um, speak up class. Please let me know. And now we're going to shut the recording and reopen up for Q&A. Thank you. <laughs>